we're back. It's Watch. Welcome to another episode. Thrilled to have you all. And I'm joined, as always, by Will and Dina. Hi. Guys. Hello. Will, I feel like we were just... I'm sorry to leave you out, Dina, but I personally was just making intense eye contact with you through the Zoom. And that was... <laughs> like, you're looking right into my eyes through your Zoom. And I'm flustered. Wait, me? You, yeah. Oh, <laughs> you're saying Dina. And I was like, yeah, I thought you two were looking at each other and it was hot. But I guess I was looking at you thinking... Wow. You were looking at each other. We're and all I'm oblivious, living. so perfect. <laughs> Amazing. Everybody's on brand. Yeah. So we're back, baby. We're going to cover chapters 9 to 13 today. We last left our girl boss, Bryce, unhooking her bra after a long day at work, a.k.a. meeting with a handsy vampire client and soberly banging some lion mm, shifter right. in a club bathroom. Right. A solid diet. Normal behavior. Yeah. Exactly. And so, I mean, I just think I want Will to just take my hand, take Dina's hand, take everybody's hands. Yeah, and definitely just mine because I still don't know what the hell is happening. Yeah. Please yeah. just like you please just like take my kind of sweaty palm and we'll just <laughs> we'll walk forward together. Yes. Okay. So today's episode covers, I would say like one and a half plot points but we get some more important background and perhaps most importantly of all i think we get like the first little sparks and embers of our lover's tale so that's wow the ratio of world building to plot is slowly (laughs) shifting in the direction we need it to (laughs) right we're finding balance fear not we open with our dark angel assassin of shadow hunt who is sort of brutally murdering a group of friends who have apparently done the archangel micah the governor of the continent ill we don't really get what exactly happened apparently something bad enough that he has to be like you can't use guns yeah he's not allowed to like kill them quickly with his lightning he has to use his sword or something and it's like this poor boy it seems is just on the floor kneeling pleading for his life and Hunt has his mask on, so it's kind of his alter ego, and he just ends him. Isn't he dreamy? <laughs> He's so dreamy. He's so dreamy. So he returns to the Angel Barracks, and here we get a bit more context on the little angel squad that pops up. And their dorm life. They're called Right, dorm yeah. Life. <laughs> they're like weird, like kind of, I don't know. It didn't seem like a very nice dorm. So I think we mentioned last time, there's this group called the Triari. Yes. But there are five of them. So, like, don't let the kind of the prefix of that term confuse you. <laughs> like, can they be, like, Quintari? Is yeah. That, that could have been cool. Yeah. Unclear. Very confusing. Very confusing. But I do feel like three out of the four other people than Hunt are important. But whatever. Anyway, so I'll just quickly run through them. First of all, we have Naomi. Who is just, it seems to me, a kind of competent angel soldier. She is notably of this group of five people who apparently are the governor's inner circle. The only one that didn't try to violently overthrow the government. Hmm. So take from that what you will. <laughs> Which, I that gives me some of my Micah theories, but... Yeah. Hmm. She's not in charge. Isaiah is in charge. But because her loyalties are not suspect, I think she kind of has her own her own influence. Anyway, she's frankly not that that important. Next, we have Justinian, who's another boy angel. He's kind of just a more energetic and younger version of Hunt. He's a friend, basically. Yeah. He did rebel. That's mm-hmm. kind of all we need to know. Victoria, as we discussed last time, is not an angel. She's a wraith, which means she 
inhabits bodies, but oops, is stuck in this one. Right. That's her punishment for rebellion. And then we get to Isaiah, who, you know, for obvious reasons. I would assume reasons, you're obsessed with, yeah. <sighs> speaks to me. I'm obsessed with it. And, like, I feel like he hits a little too close to home. Yeah. <laughs> Let's unpack. Yeah. Isaiah is the commander of the Angel Legion in the city, the 33rd. And most importantly, he's a homo. <laughs> Which, to be clear, Will, what if people are tuning in to this episode for the first time? Can you clarify your position at all of this? I also, I I share the same, the same curse or whatever, you know? Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I was going to say it really tracks that he's gay. <laughs> Somehow, despite rebelling, he is just... He's so good at his job that he is in charge of all of the military force in this continent. It doesn't make a ton of sense from a political perspective, but I do think it makes sense if you're familiar with something called the best little boy syndrome. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Do tell. (laughs) A sufferer of the syndrome once explained it to me as this. I think I'm a half sufferer of the syndrome, but that boys who are gay but are like closeted some of them channel the like societal repression and their inability mm. to express themselves into just being really good at school and achieving and climbing ladders. And that really seems to be Isaiah's game. There's a description where it says, Isaiah had always known how to play the game, how to stomach their protocols and hierarchies, how to dress like them, dine and fuck like them. He'd fallen and risen back to the rank of commander because of it. It wouldn't surprise anyone if Micah recommended that Isaiah's halo be removed at the next governor's council, the Asteri, after the winter solstice. So he's like a high-achieving gay. Yeah. <laughs> Who also, important to say, is gorgeous and mm-hmm. like dresses super well and always has a new boyfriend. Right, right. Well, yes. So there are allusions to the fact throughout that he is a bit of a party boy. Mm-hmm. Well, playboy, right? Is he a party boy? I think he's both. Really? I think okay. he's both, yeah. We'll, we'll get to that in a second. He's always very serious when we interact with him, but he seems to have this kind of off-screen mm. life that we don't really get to see as often. But he's like, he ends up in gossip columns. He mm-hmm. dates really handsome males. He's on the nightly news a lot because he's the... Right. dog so he's on the nightly news looking mm. hot as hell in his suits i feel yeah. like it's maybe like an anderson cooper vibe to yeah. be honest oh okay i could see that i also want to say i don't know things that you guys know obviously but i didn't miss the illusion to him replacing someone or not replacing someone and maybe like saving all his money to like buy right. someone else's I was, yeah right. so yes, like, yes, clearly yes. there's some kind of long lost love mm-hmm. right I think this is maybe sort of implicit in what you were saying, but in terms of, oh, his halo might be removed at the next meeting, he's perceived to be so dedicated to serving the man in this role in his new sort of, I mean, currently literal enslavement to the powers that be that, like, they feel fine. Like, if if I remove, if I liberate you, you're still not going to be liberated. Right. Dang. Wow. So, whoo. Yeah. Just dwell on that, listener. Yeah, we definitely didn't meet any people like that at law school, right, Will? (laughs) (laughs) No comment. (laughs) Um, Okay, so now that we kind of know our our little crew, they're they're hanging out in there. It does seem like a kind of shabby rec room, basically. As Hunt comes in, Justinian gives him some flack because Justinian can scent the many different people's blood that is on him Mm. from his murder spree. 
And Naomi tells Hunt that, who I should say, even though she's not a rebel, she seems nice. She like saves a beer for our boy Hunt. I wonder if she kind of secretly feels left out. Right. Yeah, probably. And so Naomi tells Hunt that he's supposed to meet Isaiah tomorrow in the old square. Hunt sort of just grunts and walks to the shower, which becomes a ritual. Whenever he has to do these murders, he takes a scalding hot shower. I mean, one would hope. Yeah. And in the course of doing this, he kind of does some musing and reflection and we get some more background. One of the most important things we learn is that even though this is a really shitty life he has, he has to go kill people all the time. He's sort of grateful because it's better than his shittier past situation. He's grateful because he is not under the control of Sandriel. Did we talk about Sandriel? No. No. Mm-hmm. So let's um, keep it brief. Right. Well, I was going to say, so Hunt is grateful because he is owned currently by Micah and not by his previous owner, Sandriel, who is a psychotic, highly problematic archangel of a different territory, who is his dead lover's twin sister. Which, rough, rough. Like, we almost called this podcast Phase of Our Lives, and this is truly the most soap opera-y <laughs> info it background really dump is. of all history. Basically, Sandriel and her twin sister, who we learn her name is Shahar, you gotta keep these S's straight, were on opposite sides of the rebellion. Shahar led the rebellion, and Hunt was her general and her lover. Not really... You know, I feel like HR might have had something to say about that, Mm -hmm. but whatever. Anyway, the kind of establishment, Sandriel's team won. And so after the rebellion, Hunt ended up after some time in Sandriel's dungeons, like with her kind of sicko minions. And yeah, it was giving very like Amarantha. She would just torture people for fun under the mountain. Like that's definitely right. Point being, he's no longer under her control. He works for Micah. And one of the reasons he's grateful is because he and Micah have a deal. And the deal is harsh, but compared to eternal imprisonment, not as harsh. So when Micah took Hunt, he said, look, if you atone for all the lives that you took in the rebellion, then I will free you. The catch is that Micah is holding him to account for every angel death in the battle war. Because Hunt was their general. And that's 2,217 kills. Now, a couple of things about this. First, I believe this is what we call strict liability in the law. Wow. Yeah. If I remember correctly, take notes, my young Padawans. I do not remember because I was never in a law class, but... <laughs> Can you elaborate on that? I frankly can't elaborate on that if I wanted to, but just, you know... Anyway. I'm going to yes and you, but I'm yeah. going to like sort of flag for our legal listeners that I don't necessarily endorse or agree. Okay, great. Second, I did some quick math. Okay, so we learned that Hunt has killed, he says, only 82 people over four years. The point being, he's quite a ways away from Oof, his overall yeah. goal. Mm-hmm. That averages to like 20.5 kills a year. Which is like less than once every two weeks if like me, you're trying to figure out how often you would have to fit in a murder Mm -hmm. to your schedule no from a work hours perspective it feels like he has like nice work-life balance if it's only right well and then the other thing is so it should at that rate it should take him about 104 years to pay off the remainder of his debt this is not wow that is some serious math to be yeah wow which is bleak to be sure but angels live for like up to 800 and he's in his 200s or something right now yeah that's true it, I do think murdering people probably is, like, quite traumatic. Yeah, it probably wears on mm-hmm. you. 
but there is light at the end of the tunnel from someone of an angel's longevity's perspective. Okay. By the way, I could barely concentrate in this scene because he's like going into the shower, or whatever, he's reflecting. But it, there are multiple sentences where it talks about all the drippings of blood that he's leaving all over the bathroom. Mm. <laughs> and I was just How like, I really hope like they're paying their cleaning people well, because this mm-hmm. is probably a really common occurrence that all these doesn't like, seem likely in this cops world. are coming back. <laughs> and so somebody needs to be cleaning that up. And I hope they're, you know, being paid a living wage. There seems to be mm-hmm. a lot of sort of uncompensated labor happening. Yeah. Yeah. To, to put it mildly. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so he takes a shower. I think the only other thing we learn is that Hunt's mom named him Orion, which then at some point people started calling him Hunter, and which then got shortened to Hunt. I actually really didn't get that. I was like, so was Hunter his middle name or does Orion mean Hunter or was it just I like- think Orion means Hunter. Ah, uh, okay. Orion a constellation, is, right? Yeah. Yeah. And like Isn't a Roman a god or Greek or god something. or something who can who yeah, had a belt. Hunter. He definitely Player had a classic. Belt. Orion can confirm he had a belt. We return to our girl boss, Bryce. Bryce is in her little art gallery while kind of haughty Faye male and his date rudely browse the wares. Mm-hmm. The male is, refuses to talk to her basically because she's only half Faye. Anyway, the door buzzes. Oop, it's. Isaiah, and this is how we know he's a party boy because it turns out he'd been out until 4 a.m. the oh, night before. Oh, wow, good <laughs> It's Isaiah and Hunt. This is where they were sent in the old square. They do this kind of thing where, you know, she won't let them in and she's being kind of sassy and she's like, you can have an appointment for three weeks, whatever, whatever. Hunt finds her. Yeah, good for her. She knows you don't talk to cops, you know, right. don't let them in. Well, I, okay, I think she, she sort of fine. knows that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't seem like the most cop-phobic. But yeah, Hunt finds her like, whatever, her verve hot. And he can smell her still out on the sidewalk. She smells like lilac. Like a nutmeg, and nutmeg as, as discussed. And I was like, oh, finding like real things. But then she also, we were so close. She also smells like, quote, the gleam of the first stars at nightfall. Which was one, again, this was one of numerous things that I caught where something about her in Starlight, and I'm just going to yeah. say, we have a girl boss with, oh, she doesn't have any magical powers, but oh, Hunt smelling Starlight. Oh, Rune's like high as fuck, and he keeps seeing her surrounded in stars. I know Dina. where we're going here, people. Dina. I know where we're going. Oh, my God. I was about Dina. to like... Wow. Okay, we can talk about this next ep- maybe, but I Cancel was going to Cancel my like, spoiler corner for next episode. Right. I was <laughs> going to make you take your headphones corner. off. I was going to make you take your headphones off. You're so smart. Oh How my god, so thank smart. you so much. Do I get an do I get an A? You do. In City 101. Like a best little girl syndrome. It exists Truly. too. We're going to we're going to get back into this next episode, but I'm really I just got chills. I'm really proud of you. Oh my god, I'm so excited. So the fake couple leaves, and the woman, I guess it was like, first of all, she's wearing diamonds the size of Hunt's fingernails. And just because he's like a large, I assume he has pretty large fingernails. Large fingernails. Large like, diamonds. Safe to assume. Yeah. yeah. But it turns out this was like a blind date or something. And we get like a little scene where like the fame, the haughty female kind of gets into a chauffeured car. Oh, I love this. And she just walks away, gets on a phone, and is bitching to her friend, like, never set me up on a blind date again. Anyway, a nice Cute. little. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I love that we got that. Yeah, it's like real life. Yeah. So the angels, obviously, they get in. Bryce is dressed as she normally is, very hotly. She has her heels on. She has a white, skin-tight dress on. I actually take issue with this. Okay. I just feel like I can only suspend my disbelief for so much. Like, I love Mm. that she's wearing her hot dresses. I love that she knows how hot she is. I think this is all great. But she's going to be spilling things on that white dress. I think she's smarter than this, Mm. and she would not have picked a white dress. And so it was very difficult for me to picture her in white this whole scene. Wow. And so I kind of changed the color in my head. (laughs) That's fair. This is your prerogative. <laughs> mm-hmm. Later, they, I didn't really realize this, her red hair goes down. At one point, it, mm-hmm. the, the curls of her red hair are at her butt. Mm-hmm. And that's like a little pretty too long. long. A little too long. Especially for like an action girly. Let's have it, let's have it a little bit shorter. Yeah. Also, Hunt's hair is apparently shoulder length. Shoulder length. And I say no. I think I say no to that. Veto, you exercise podcaster's veto i think maybe does he ever put it in like a little bun no he never i've never heard of him putting it in like a hmm. ponytail or a wee bun hmm. there is a hat at some point we're gonna have to talk about that when that comes i'm usually but. pro long hair but i'm questionable on him at the moment for other reasons so mm. i'll be on your team for this rachel okay qualms have been noted duly noted it turns out that hunt and isaiah have come to kind of do a little detective work about a new murder, specifically the murder of Maximus, the creep vamp who she met at the club, who it turns out was killed two hours after their meeting, mm. kind of in an alley of the meat market, which is this like sketchy what it sounds like, basically. Honestly, Maximus sucks to suck, you know? It does suck to suck. It turns out this is mostly a formality. They don't seem to actually suspect her that much. Although we get multiple sentence thoughts from hunt where he's like i don't know like she's still on my list blah 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 are you the worst what's the word when you like understand people's character how bad are you at your job how bad are you at being a person if you're actually thinking she's a suspect i do think it's quite questionable to assign hunt which we'll get to in a moment to any kind of detecting because that just doesn't really seem to be a forte throughout he doesn't have the most forensic of minds. No. <laughs> In his not. defense, it is sus that Maximus was basically killed in the exact same way that the right. wolves were. Anyway, I will just say that she is notionally a suspect, but they don't seem to take it that seriously right. for reasons mm. we'll get into quite shortly. But we do get kind of the first step in this will they, won't they lovers dance, which is at the heart of this book. Throughout the scene... Hunt is judging her. So when he first walks in, he notices there's a scent diffuser. And he thinks, quoting, obviously, of course she was one of those aromatherapy zealots, conned into handing over her marks for the promise of feeling happier or being better in bed or growing another half a brain to match the half she already had. Oof. Yeah. Similarly, he also notices that her super hot dress is just long enough to cover the scar on her leg from the night with the demon after Danica died which he is sure she got removed because, quote, party girls didn't like scars messing with how they looked in a swimsuit. So, like, Hunt definitely thinks she's a spoiled party girl. Yeah. And I'm not into it. Like, I know we're supposed to be like, oh, will they, won't they? It's cute. It's hot. They're bantering. But I really don't like that the basis for their relationship is that he thinks she's stupid. And going back Mm -hmm. to my point of, like, 
I enjoy that she's, like, wearing her dresses and doing her thing or whatever. What I don't enjoy about it is that he also falls for it and assumes Mm -hmm. that because she dresses like that, she's dumb. Yeah. And I'm gonna be honest, guys, he's Mm -hmm. giving me K-all at this moment. Mm. And it's not... Like, I want enemies to lovers where they hate each other, but there's a level of respect there. Yeah. What I'm getting here is he doesn't respect her. I don't know if I'm down for her to have to, like, earn his respect. He's a hundred and whatever years old. He should know not to be judging people because they wear tight dresses. Grow the fuck up. Totally agree. It's very off-putting. He just thinks, like, I haven't counted, but in this book, I think at least internally or externally he observes at least probably 10 times that she's stupid yeah a stupid party girl it's not a great vibe no but i do think sjm's kind of doing her little thing i mean we'll see but i want to see how long i can hold on to this grudge because the girl lost (laughs) her best friend and like 12 other friends yeah she wants to have some calming fucking sense around hunt are you dealing with your trauma? No. Stop being a little judgy dick. <laughs> like, yeah, totally. That's yeah. where I stand with him right now, and we'll see if he earns mm-hmm. your love and affection. Yeah. Yeah. We'll have to see. So this is sort of what is percolating through Hunt's mind while they're fake interrogating Bryce. And then Isaiah or Hunt, who can remember, drops a bomb, which is that Micah, the governor himself, is on his way to talk to Bryce personally. Because, as Rachel alluded, Maximus appears to have been murdered in the exact same way as Danica and the Wolf Pack. This is surprising because noted scapegoat Philip Briggs, mm. the rebel who had been released on a, quote, mere technicality, mm-hmm. had subsequently been convicted of that murder. It seems he had bought black salt, which one uses to summon bad demons, shortly before the attack on Danica. So I guess he's innocent, and actually we'll get, like, slightly more on this later in our little, like, due process segment. Who would have guessed? <laughs> so Bryce dashes upstairs to call her boss, Jessiba. Jessiba? Jessiba. Jessiba. The kind of girl boss witch extraordinaire. Sorceress. Sorceress, right. Sorry, former witch. hmm So they can plot how to respond to Micah's imminent arrival. Bryce, who until now has been fairly unflappable and sassy, is clearly flummoxed by the visit and the news. And then Lehaba, also known as Lele. Are we saying Lehaba? Lili? I like Lili. I feel like we didn't introduce Lili last time. <gasps> oh, and that I was like a Lili. huge omission. Do one of you want to take that on? Dina. Okay, Lili is an adorable fire sprite. That means that she kind of looks like a living flame and she's small, right? I'm picturing her as almost like maybe 12 inches tall and she... No, she's smaller. She's like a couple inches. Tinkerbell. Yes, Tinkerbell vibes. Okay, even smaller than that. And she basically lives in the basement of the antiquity store guarding all of these books that want to either eat people or escape. And so it's like, oh, why would you have fire guard books? But then it's like because she could scare the books because she could like burn them and kill them. So she basically is down there all the time scaring the books. But she also, because she's a sprite, was born a slave, right? Because the sprites rebelled. And so they were kicked out of the house of sky and breath. And every single sprite now is a slave, which sucks and is horrible. And I feel really bad for a sweet Lily, but she loves Bryce and she's always eavesdropping on her. Yeah. We'll get to this when they're down in the library, but she's also, in addition to Tinkerbell, giving me, um, God, who's the, who's the, like, candle from Beauty and the Beast? Gaston? No, Gaston! <laughs> <laughs> I 
don't know which one's Gaston. Gaston's like the he's like the handsome bad oh, guy. Yeah. He's like the we'll buff figure Frenchman. it out. We'll figure it out. But oh, also importantly, she's always watching either reality TV or romance shows that are basically porn, and I love that about her. Yeah, yeah, she loves her shows, and yeah. Bryce got her a little chaise lawn for like a dollhouse so she's always perched on her little couch her little fainting couch she's so cute i love la and she she actually is really curvy so she's like a curvy little flame when she gets mad and has to go chase a book like a magical book that starts wandering off she turns blue and starts hissing oh i love it cute okay and while we're on la i was gonna talk about it next episode but okay there's this one thing when she's hanging out with Bryce in the library of the gallery one time, and Bryce is sitting there working on client paperwork at a table, and there's a candle at the table, and Lahava's like perched atop the pillar candle, and Bryce is like, do not drip wax on these documents, Lily, and... The fire sprite grumbled and plopped her ass on the candle's wick anyway. Wax dribbled down the sides, her tangle of yellow hair floating above her head, as if she were indeed a flame given a plump female shape. <laughs> She's I just perfect. love that. I love How it. Cute is that? She yeah. sits her ass on the candle and starts melting it. Anyways, okay. No, it's great. She's lovely. And Bryce is always annoyed with her. I like, know. They have, like, it's like your bratty younger sister. I was going to say, it's a very big sister thing. And Lily's like, mm-hmm. well, can I come live with you? And I love that Bryce is like, I'm not allowed. It's an insurance nightmare to have fire spread. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Which, fair. So Lily tries to comfort Bryce. Not that successfully. But, you know, her heart's in the right place. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Micah arrives. Big governor. As befits his power in all these fantasy universes, power directly correlated to hotness. Mm -hmm. And so he comes in and he's hot. Quote, his power pressed against her skin, ripped the air from the room, her lungs, filled the space with midnight storms, sex and death entwined. And in Mm -hmm. case that wasn't enough, we get the second most important line this (gasps) chapter, which is, quote, He could probably make someone come by merely whispering filthy things in their ears. I was so hoping you would read that. (laughs) See, this is what I'm like. Okay, he's giving Reese, right? His power is consuming everybody. He's Mm -hmm. so hot. This is what I'm like. Okay, fine. Can Hunt be like a distraction on the way to Micah being endgame? Is that crazy of me? Could be. Could be. Probably not, but a girl can dream because he sounds very hot. Mm -hmm. It's just, I love the notion that, like, a governor is super hot, you know? (laughs) like (laughs) So hot that it basically hurts. Yeah, he could talk and you'll orgasm. Yeah. So she's sort of consumed by this sexual attraction to him, but they kind of move on. They start their Zoom precursor called Jessiba, who is on another continent. We learn she had to ditch the two males she had mm. in her hotel bedroom. Love her. Because she works hard and she plays hard. Good for her. Even at 400 years old. Right, right. And we get a little bit more info on Jessica, who's this kind of just generally mysterious figure. She's a lush female body adorned with freshwater pearls. Mm. So she seceded from the witch clan. Mm-hmm. I don't know what you call. Like the witch society. She left to join the House of Flame and Shadow, and she now calls herself a sorceress, and no one seems to really know why for, like, what she does for the House of Flame and Shadow. Mm-hmm. Everyone sort of assumes she's more than an art 
antiquities collector. And she doesn't really take shit from anyone. I also love her whole Cersei turning people into animals thing. Did Cersei do that? Didn't she like turn all those guys into pigs? Yeah. Cersei the Greek lady, not Game of Thrones. Oh, oh not yeah, sorry. the Game of Thrones. C-I-R-C-E, not C-E-R-S-E-I. Oh, yeah, I, yeah, see, yeah. I see, I see, I see. Yeah, I see. because part uh, of the thing is that the library is under the gallery and it's secret. Mm-hmm. There's all these tanks and terrariums with all these little critters. Mm. And it's rumored that Jessica turns her old lovers or enemies into these little critters, but we don't. And she's constantly telling Bryce, do this now or I'll turn you into like a whatever. Yeah. It seems kind of fun, but maybe it's serious. It's always sort of unclear. Who can say? No, I actually love that. I think Bryce makes some comment that Jessica told her two weeks after Danica died that she had to get back to work or she was going to turn her into, you know, a toad or something. And I was like, "Mm, I actually think that's love. You know what I mean? She kind of gave her purpose and distraction again. Yeah. But maybe we'll find out she's evil. Who knows? In the course of setting up the call, Bryce notices the tattoo of thorns across Hunt's brow, and that immediately sort of the horniness evaporates and is replaced with disgust. And I mention this mostly because she expresses her disgust with Micah and the ruling body, and most Mm -hmm. importantly, with the Imperial Senate, a Mm. puppet ruling body. And obviously, for reasons we don't need to get into now, I'm here for any and all Senate negging. Even on sort of different planes. Yes, that is true. That is your love language. But the general vibe is stress because Micah is, you know, when he comes to a meeting with you, it can be quite bad, I think, is the general take. Right. The description gets lightly hard to follow, I guess, to sort of replicate all the conflicting emotions going on in Bryce's mind. (laughs) The book reads, Bryce typed the codes into her computer, trying to ignore the governor staring at her like she was a steak. And he was dot, dot, dot. Something that ate steak raw and moaning. And I was like, wait, he eats like the steak raw? She's the raw steak. And is she moaning or is he moaning? Okay. I don't know. Who can say? Maybe all parties. True. Micah says that he wants Bryce to help find the true murderer of Maximus and Danica. This is where we get another bit of what is happening in this legal system. Micah explains that uh, Philip Briggs, the human Mm -hmm. rebel slash would-be terrorist, it seems, was wrongly convicted of murder of Danica because now we have this new murder while he was in jail. Couldn't have been him, it seems. But it turns out that since he's been wrongly in jail, they found new evidence to convict him of the original crime. Mm. So he can just stay in jail anyway. It's like no big deal. Perfect. Right. So the murder is clearly at large, which is obviously a problem for safety, but this seems to be a tough world where people are never safe. So mm-hmm. it turns out the real problem from Micah's perspective is there's an upcoming summit, basically G20 meeting, mm-hmm. when all the powers that be that operate under Micah will be present. But also importantly, Micah's bosses, what are they called again? The Asteri? Asteri. Yes. It sounds like Asteris, which is just confusing. Oh, it does. Oh, that is. Yeah. yeah. They are sending a representative to check in on him. The notion being, you know, if things don't look like they're going well, his job could be at risk. Mm. And it turns out the representative they're sending is Sandriel. That's how it goes, you know? Right. That's how it goes. Evil twin sister. Right. Right. 
So Micah does not want this to become basically a PR problem and give the Asteri an excuse to replace him. No, he wants to get a good performance review. He wants a good performance review. But Hunt, whose perspective we've switched to at some point along the way, is freaking out because he knows that if Micah gets the boot, Sandriel might take over. I guess Micah has a very desirable job and Sandriel has a less desirable job. And so she would be eager to take this job and then she would take over Hunt, basically. She has all these hench people that, frankly, I don't think we really need to, like, track. Hench people with multiple names. Yeah, they all have at least two, if not three names. Pollux has three names. Yeah. It did make me sad, though, because Pollux from the Hunger Games is so great. And I was like, ugh, how dare you stay in his name? Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Well, we don't need to think too much about Pollux just yet. Not Pollux. There are separate people called the Hind and the Harpy. Who also have other names. How could you possibly keep this straight? Anyway, (laughs) they're not that important. (laughs) We're filing that away. Okay, great. Another sort of minor point that we will return to is Micah reveals in some banter with Jessiba that the new Witch Queen will get formally recognized at this summit. Mm. So Jessiba, I think, (laughs) from my perspective kind of reasonably asks why her 25-year-old no-name assistant should be the one to help catch a murderer that has evaded numerous immortal law enforcement squads. Someone had to ask the question. Right. Micah has, like, basically two answers. The first is that Bryce is the only person to have seen the demon alive. And the second is that he thinks Maximus and Danica were actually friends or connected somehow. This kind of rocks Bryce's world because she's like, there's no way I knew everything about Danica. Mm -hmm. And Micah is kind of like, it seems like maybe there are some secrets that she didn't tell you, which I like that would be so gut wrenching to hear about your best friend who passed that you thought you guys were simpatico and everything. It's also hard, like hard enough for her to have this conversation in general right now where they're all just casually talking about her best friend's death. And so that on top of it, I'm like, oh. Yeah, in a a moment of levity, at least for me, (laughs) Micah just throws out. He's like, also, crime statistics suggest Danica knew her killer, which I thought was so funny because it's like it's like some CSI shit. I was like, okay, Micah reads Nate Silver. He's listening to his podcast. What is the latest in technocratic best practices? (laughs) No, it was very. What's his like? Michael Gray Goobler CSI, right? They're all sitting there and like, well, you know, the crime statistics suggest. Right. Like, yeah. I, I don't know. It kind of like brought me out of the world for a second. I was like, can yeah. we? Yeah. <laughs> it was like very funny. Yeah. Anyway, so then for whatever reason, I guess that persuades everyone. They agree that this arrangement is going to work out mm-hmm. under the following conditions. One, Jessuba is going to get some compensation from the state because she knows how to get hers. Mm-hmm. Two. Hunt will become Bryce's bodyguard. Again, this is half sort of because she is technically still a suspect, mostly because there's a dangerous demon and Hunt is pretty powerful. Oh, no. Will. What? You're telling us that Bryce and Hunt, the mean guy, they're going to have to like <laughs> hang out in close proximity and like, some all might the say time? Forced? proximity (gasps) no oh no (laughs) they're gonna have to work together yeah it's like it's like kind of tragic i don't really know what's what could possibly happen we hate to hear it they don't get along yeah they really don't get along and i guess actually along those lines i meant to flag it earlier but bryce was rubbing her scar the scar that hunt thought she definitely got removed 
Similarly, at some point down the line, we learned that the scent diffusers she has were like when she was super traumatized and depressed in the immediate wake of Danica's death, like one of the only things that could calm her down. And so that's why she has them everywhere. So he's just kind of. Yeah, let a bitch have a candle. Jesus Christ. Right. The other upside to besides for us and the kind of building sexual attention, the other upside for Hunt in playing bodyguard is he gets to avoid Sandriel, who I guess will be kind of stalking around HQ. And if he's out and about for the month that she's here, all the better. Mm-hmm. And then Bryce is like, my condition, Micah, is that you wipe whoever did this off the fucking planet. And Micah is like, oh, we will like avail ourselves of the justice system, yada, yada, yada. But then SJM tells us, yeah, he's like super down to just kind of summarily execute whoever right they find which we know i love that she's like i could feel his power basically being like yeah no don't worry i'll fuck them up <laughs> yeah there's no due process here fear not um <laughs> so we get a sort of post-game post-confab split screen between hunt and bryce so the angels fly up to the roof as i think the angels are wont to do which i guess like to be fair if i could fly with my friends and other people couldn't that'd be a fun place to hang out yeah i'd be on roofs all the time so micah tells Hunt that he really cares about solving this mystery. He doesn't want, for instance, Sabine and the wolves, who are also trying to figure out who the murderer is, Mm -hmm. to find them first. Again, I think mostly for PR reasons. And he is so eager to solve this that he offers Hunt a kind of wild deal, which is that if he brings in this murderer, Hunt will only have 10 more assignments left on his debt to Micah. If he brings him in before the summit. Right. Before the summit. The clock is ticking. Again, this is when I'm like, ugh, is Micah also secretly a rebel, but he knew the last one wasn't going to work out, and so now he's, like, just gathering the people for when the right moment to strike is, but, like, he has to be at prime strength and it has to be the right moment. Who knows? Mm. I'm just saying. I'm getting long-term planner here. Mm. I'm getting secret rebel vibes from Micah. Wow. Well, at least in the immediate moment, he has more pressing concerns where we get the best line of this episode. This is Micah talking to Hunt. Quote, keep your dick in your pants and your hands to yourself (laughs) or you'll find yourself without either for a long while. End quote. The book continues. I was going to say, you better be continuing. (laughs) Hunt would regrow both, of course. Any immortal who made the drop could regrow just about anything if they weren't beheaded or severely mutilated. Recovery would be painful, though, and slow. And being dickless, even for a few months, wasn't high up on Hunt's to-do list. First of all, (laughs) so glad we got clarification on if all these immortals were basically starfish. Great. Obsessed with the fact that we got it via dick threat slash joke. Right. This is everything literature should be. I just would like to applaud Sarah J. Mass on her kind of um, willingness to, I think we've discussed, I guess, on, on in a different season across her books, her like attention to the menstrual issue. Mm-hmm. And I just appreciate her willingness to kind of. To the very real problem. Right. The very real problem. <laughs> have your dick cut Of off. like, if you can regrow limbs, what would happen if your boss cut your dick off? Because you slept with your suspect protectee. No, she's answering the questions the people have. The people have, And she throws in the of course. Like, I I love the of course. Of course. Uh, So that was lovely. Anyway, (laughs) 
Micah leaves, leaving Isaiah and Hunt on the top of the roof. Isaiah is like bowing and agreeing. He's sort of sucking up to him. Hunt is annoyed because he remembers that his old wings, which I guess we now realize he's his current wings, he has regrown. His old wings are still staked up in the not Rome city palace. Okay. I wasn't sure if they were saying those were his wings or they were like feathers from that, like the literally his full wings he had to regrow. Is that what that's saying? I think so. Yeah. Oh my God. Ow. Yeah. yeah. Like, why am I acting as if, like, I know the pain? You're aware, but, I mean, I, yeah. Hunt and Isaiah, which I kind of actually want to quickly talk about. Their relationship I find kind of funny, goofy, because they're, like, definitely friends. But Isaiah is so much of, like, a a climber and a striver and an achiever that I feel like when we first met him, he was like, yeah, I'm the commander, but Hunt's really powerful. It's never been explicitly said that he's my number two, but he's my number two, right? <laughs> but, like, I'm probably uh, not going to say it out loud next to him. <laughs> right, because I'm, like, kind of scared of him. But they do seem to be friends for the most part, but there's always this kind of shadow of a doubt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it's very, like, boys. It's like, oh, they're never going to actually talk about their feelings or confirm their friends. They're just going to check in on each other all the time and do nice things for each other. <laughs> oh, interesting. Yeah, that seems like part of it. I also, I feel like from Hunt's perspective, I was getting... You never know when, like, is Isaiah's ambition going to trump his loyalty? But they have a nice little Hunt asks Isaiah's advice. And he's like, doesn't this deal Micah offered seem too good to be true? And Isaiah's like, no, he doesn't scheme. He's not a schemer. I can offer a bit of a sweetener, too, which is, why don't you sleep on the roof across from Bryce's apartment? If anyone asks, I'll say that's what you're doing. And that way you don't have to be in the barracks at all. When Sandra is there. I'm picturing he has like his little duffel bag just mm-hmm. on the roof and a little bit of camping gear. Little, little cot. Yeah. yeah. Cute. I think all things told, Hunt is doing not bad. Right. If we kind of shift to the other side of the split screen, Bryce is doing not so well. She is definitely in her feels. Yeah. <laughs> she and Jessica are chatting and you can just tell Bryce's head is all over the place. She's not being the most coherent because she tells Jessica. I'll likely wind up dead because they're hunting this powerful demon. And then Jessica is like, well, keep Hunt close. He's a powerful whatever. And then Bryce, quote, bristled as if she were some little female in need of a big, strong warrior to guard her. And I was like, Mm -mm. honey, you literally just said you might end up dead. (laughs) I don't understand. Mm-hmm. You haven't made the drop yet. <laughs> yeah. So Bryce hangs up. She mulls applying to a new job, engages in some emotional self-harm by rereading the text Connor had sent her the night that he was slaughtered, yeah. which is sort of a That's theme, a, is unfortunately. A, yeah. So sad. And then she decides against texting her besties Juniper and Fury because she feels they have let her down because Fury is incommunicado and Juniper is too busy with her dancing career. So we end on a bit of a downer, but one wonders if this new job will offer her a sort of needed sense of purpose and dare I say- A little revenge? Companionship. And maybe revenge. Yeah. And dick. <laughs> that is still attached to the body. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If- one wonders but does not know, just to be clear. Right. Oh yeah, certainly this could go in so many directions. Well, <laughs> you might be surprised. Wait, can I you ask might Will? Be surprised. One of the things that, um, like, the piece of information that I loved getting and that I don't yet know the answer to is that when Isaiah and Hunt are on the roof and Isaiah is going to go talk to Rune and he tells Hunt not to come because apparently the year before they got in a fight right. and Hunt broke Rune's nose. Please tell me we don't have to wait till the next book to find out what they got in a fight about. 
I think we sort of will. We might, but like nothing. Yeah, it's just like they're men. Men get into yeah, fights, Dina. Boys being boys. You Don't know? you know that? Oh, I thought. Ugh. See, this is like why this is why I need you guys guiding me through because I'm like, oh, clearly something happened. No, you clearly haven't dated enough virile men because if they're real men, they just get into fights with people. Sometimes you just gotta break somebody's nose, you know? Yeah, what I mean? just because no, they I have all this pent up manness yeah. inside. Sure. Sorry, Dina. Okay, but anyways, we will unpack that slightly more in our next episode. Yeah, which you should join us for, listener. Please do. And hey, it's been wonderful. We'll see you next time. In the meantime, if you feel like rating us five stars, subscribing, tell your friends, tell your group chat. Our email address is feywatchpod at gmail.com. We just want to hear everything from you. Thanks, y'all. See you soon. Bye. Bye.